It wasn't it just like two weeks ago? Oh, Stealth 2, Rory throws Tanamate under the bus and da 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 da. And you're like, good lord, people, just pump the brakes. Or, oh, does Tanamate have a Stealth 2 problem? Blah blah blah. It's like, no, shut up, stop. <laughs> what is happening, everybody? No putts given. How's everybody living? Tony Covey, Chris Nickel, Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C. We had eight inches of snow last night, Tony. It's the end of March, and I do not appreciate it. I, I think I'm in the clear here. I'm feeling really good about my chances. Of a, Rare of a... that upstate New York is this far ahead of the Colorado, but whatever. We, we got we got dumped on about a week, week and a half ago, but we've been warm. It's been warm-ish, so just almost there. It's delaying. Just delaying the inevitable. We'll see. We got topics, Tony. We're going to talk about Rory and his driver, because that is going to lead into a bunch of other things. Dean Snell sounded off a little bit in typical Dean Snell, entirely transparent, one of the most direct, easy guys to to chat with in the industry around this stuff. He had uh, some pointed thoughts on some of this ball stuff, and then a couple mailbag questions for you, Tony. So that's what we're going to get after today. All right. Um, you got a you got a new rug in your office, Tony? Yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you show it to the people? People want yes. There you go. What'd you this, kill? What is that? Is or what that was it? Faux. <laughs> was it a faux, zebra? It is faux white tiger, actually. Oh, okay. I, think, I believe uh, killing actual white tigers is frowned upon. Uh, <laughs> eh, depends who you ask, no, it's, but it's a ruggable. We're a big ruggable oh, house. Oh, yeah. big ruggable fans. All right. Maybe yeah. <laughs> we should try and sign ruggable as a sponsor. Hey. He's looking for indirect <laughs> to the golf industry. Yeah. Ruggable, if you're out there, talk to us. We're we have, yeah, we, we went with ruggables because it the thinking is when the dogs vomit on the rug as <laughs> as is inevitable. They're want to do. Yeah. yeah, we can just toss it in the washing machine. It sounds like a great idea until you realize you've got this gigantic rug that is tucked under all of your furniture. And so you gotta you gotta basically rearrange the room just to get at it. And then yeah, anyway. So it's a Tony today, problem. Today and no putts given. Today I know what's given, throw up and rugs and vomit. But Rory, his driver, let's, let's start. What did he do? And and we'll get into the why stuff because I think that's where stuff gets kind of interesting for the average everyday consumer because there's a couple things where I had to stop and go, huh, this is very interesting to me. So let's start there. What did he do? Yeah, so credit to Jonathan Wall for having over at golf.com for having the details as he usually does. Mm-hmm. He is really good with this kind of stuff. So, yeah, Rory, after, I mean, how many weeks just barely removed from I'm spraying the driver all over the place, can you control it, et cetera, et cetera, uh, decides to cut his driver down to 44 inches and swap out his Ventus Black for a Ventus TR. So that's okay. the, that's your quick and dirty version. New quick. shaft and shorter. Okay, so he goes to a shorter shaft. And a different shaft. And let's talk about the length thing first, because he went from 44 and a half to 44. Now, just to start out, 44 and a half is already, I want to say short by industry standards, but not historically speaking. So, it's, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's short by 
by tour standards, I think these days it's short, definitely, definitely short by retail standards where golf companies are pushing stated stock length to 45 and three quarters in a lot of cases. And then in some of those cases, when you actually throw them on a, on a ruler and measure them, they're 46. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we are, it's, it's a departure from the trend. So how big of a difference? So he goes from 44 and a half to 44, you know, way back in the day, 43 was a driver, especially, you know, with the steel shaft and whatever. And we've seen because of, composite shafts that are lighter and stronger back back in the days of persimmon when people worked <laughs> the ball and, and played golf the right way and, and all this angles thing. they yes, hit all the angles, right angles definitely at their angles yep half an inch how big of a deal is that people are gonna eh, eh, half an inch not you know hmm, yeah whatever so we actually and we'll throw this link up somewhere but we did an article with ping several years ago of a driver fitting study. And one of the things I keep going back in there into that post for, I pull it from time to time uh, for whatever reason, unable to commit it to memory. <laughs> but uh, fair. so they, they have some kind of ballpark numbers. And so uh, if you increase shaft length by one inch, you could expect four yards of carry. Okay. And again, you would also with that expect increased roll as well. So you know, five, give or take five, six, maybe yards for every inch. Mm -hmm. So obviously mm -hmm. we can extrapolate, if we say a half an inch, that's two yards. Two yards, carry. yeah, right. Uh, and then the, the kind of other nugget in that is for each increase of shaft length by one inch, dispersion can be expected to increase as well by 10%. So your circle, all my shots are in this circle, and now I just added an inch to my driver to try and make it longer, and now my circle is 10, we're going to call that 10%, I don't know, we just, sure. you know, 10% yeah, larger, so. When we looked at it, though, too, most, most golfers were better off with a shorter club than what they were currently playing. Do you think that still holds true, or to what end? Because the thinking... Right. And this is a part that that makes sense to me is like, hey, if you're I mean, if you're hitting your driver perfectly and you're 100 percent happy, obviously don't change anything. But Rory was clearly searching in, in kind of in, in a variety of different places. And we'll come back to the shaft part because, you know, you really do have to see every club as a system. You know, they all work together, all the different components and pieces. But by going shorter, you know, Rory said it allowed him to keep the club kind of out in front of him more. It wouldn't get kind of stuck behind him where he was either going to block it or try to save it at the bottom and flip his hands and maybe kind of hit that pull hook. Would more people be better off, Tony, going with a shorter driver than they currently play? I mean, simple answer is I think so. And I think if we, we were to survey some of the some of the top fitter, fitters in the country and, and even into Canada. Let's go talk to to Ian, see what, what his numbers show. But I, I suspect that those guys aren't fitting many golfers in at 45.75. They're not stretching that 45.75 out to 46. I would guess 45-ish would be, that might be the average range. It might be a little bit lower than that still. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is one of the, 
one of the earliest tests we did in my golf spy, and this is this goes way back, probably ten years at this point. Uh, we did quick test at the time, you know, six testers, so small for us now, but a, a big test back then. Sure. And I, I want to say that you know, four of the guys were definitively better with the shorter shaft. Some of them were actually longer with the shorter shaft. And there was really, you know, one of them, if I recall, was kind of a maybe. And then the the sixth guy who had, you know, the to me, what was the defining characteristic? And I can't prove I have no additional insight as to whether or not this was the thing. But he had a mm-hmm. really flat swing. And so gotcha. maybe with a flat swing, I don't know, just just legitimately a guess here. But it was kind of the one thing we could point to 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 kind of maybe explain why he saw different results than everybody else. But. Yeah, definitely uh, some benefit to the shorter shaft and some nuance there. You got to kind of get swing weights right. Head weight yeah. typically comes up. Um, sometimes the, uh, the the shaft can play a bit stiffer, depending on how it balances out with that that additional head weight, that sort of thing. So it's not yeah, it's think- not as simple as like I'm just gonna oh, cool. I'm just gonna take a hacksaw to this thing. I'm not even gonna take the grip off. I'll just play without the top half of the grip. Whatever. <laughs> you know, there's there's some thought that has to go into it. But yeah, yeah. no doubt. No, well, and I think consumers are a little bit. I don't want to say wary or scared, but you think, geez, why? You know, we've been told or sold by companies like that this is a way that we've gotten some more swing speed, etc., and whatever. So I, I don't want to give that up if i go shorter if i cut it down it's automatically in my head it's automatically maybe a reduction in distance but just the opposite can be true if it can allow you to find center face contact more often can't you more than make up any type of i mean i get the idea that okay a longer club all things being equal the physics people and out there and whatever you can swing it a little faster which can translate to more ball speed which can translate to more distance particularly in home run derby right in a fitting bay i get that so how can a shorter club actually get me more distance in the real world how does well, that actually you touched on it, right? if you the longest club unless you have a serious design flaw but but generally speaking <laughs> if your specs are in the the realm of similar the longest club is going to be the one you hit in the center most often right and so if, if by shortening that shaft we, we always talk about dispersion downrange, right? That's the 10%. But if you can take your face impact dispersion and go the other way, right? Move it towards center. Mm-hmm. You're going to see higher average distances. Because again, like the farther away from center, you lose, you're going to lose ball speed. That is inevitable. I don't care what we talk about more forgiving across more of the face. Yeah, it is. It's maybe you don't lose quite as much as you did five years ago or with the but previous you generation. Lose. You yeah. lose. There's no... You know, there's no, hey, if my, uh, you know, let's talk Rory, right? If my my peak center face ball speed is around 190 and I crank it way out on the toe and, you know, whatever the MOI of the driver happens to be or the face technology, you're still not going to touch 190 if you're Rory. And right. for us, if you're a 150 guy, you're going to be sniffing in the 130s probably on that extreme yep. illness. And so if you can bring that dispersion, that impact dispersion down, you're going to see not only downrange dispersion go down as well, but your average ball speeds are going to be probably a little higher because you're you're getting more out of every swing. Yeah, well, that makes sense. This, it, yeah, I think it totally does, and it leads into the second part, which is, like I said, he went from a Fujikura Ventus Black, which we know is a 
very stiff profile. It's stiff throughout, right? Throughout the entire um, relatively, the entire, yeah, relatively not... stiff. But it's you know he. I think uh, Rory's using this word. This is not my word, but he called it boardy, um, which generally you know maybe he couldn't feel certain things throughout the swing that he wanted to be able to feel. So he actually went from the black to the Ventus TR blue. How are those shafts different? Besides it's kind of an color. interesting one. So, you know, Fujikura says the blue, the TR blue is a, kind of in between the, the original blue and the original black. It's probably still more, more towards blue. Uh, it's softer in the tips, softer in the, the midsection. I thought it was interesting. You know, Rory mentioned this, feeling like more stable in the handle. And I looked at the uh, cool clubs, S three measurements. They have a guessing most, most people listening to this aren't familiar with cool clubs, F S three system, <laughs> but it is a, I'm a, not familiar. Tony. Uh, what is it's it? a comprehensive <laughs> shaft database that, that basically has shaft profile measurements, but midsection tip torque measurements, basically just about everything you could want. The to DNA know of a shaft, right? The like, static like, DNA of a shaft. Absolutely. And so I took a quick look and, it is some spots where you can kind of where I think handle stiffness gets overstated, but I think it's fair to say that that TR blue may actually be a little stiffer in the handle than the original black. And so that's, you know, Rory mentioned feeling more stable with that, with that butt section. So it makes sense that that's where that comes from. It's one of those things with a shaft. I touched on this on an article I wrote. I think it was an answer to an ask my golf spy question not too long ago, but I, I have heard of a study at least where, kind of compared the results to what somebody feels in terms of Hmm. how the shaft feels. And there was a correlation between this one feels really good to me and the actual numbers on the other end of it, which we don't always see in our tests. Iron tests are definitely not putter tests, but there is something there that that could suggest that, you know, if if a shaft is bending right, if the elements are coming together. If the profile's right, it, it's just going to feel better for you going into the ball. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. But it's yeah, it's it's interesting. It's always interesting when when a tour player kind of makes a subtle shift like that. Well, I think the two other interesting things to me that popped out was one, you know, you're right in terms of, of changing the shaft component and and that and you know Rory said. Uh, effectively too that you know he doesn't like to see a lot of loft on his driver at address and so what that means right the lower loft generally means lower spin again all things being equal an easy way to add spin if you need to add spin is to just crank up the loft a little bit but Roy's like hey I don't like to see a lot of loft at address but knowing that he needed a little bit more spin than that loft would probably generate that's where kind of maybe that softer midsection and softer tip section of the TR blue got him into kind of more of that ideal spin trajectory window without having to increase the loft on his driver. And again, that's that. way in the weeds. That's way nuanced and whatever, but it goes to that fitting component of why does this setup work for one player, not for another? Oh, geez, you know, Rory plays TR blue. Now how many people are, Oh yeah. Maybe I'll give that a try. Well, <laughs> you know, there's usually pretty specific reasons that, that these guys are trying something or switching, you know? And it shows that there's not one absolute way to solve a problem. But yeah, if Rory said, I I would like a little bit more spin, easy solution, right? 
more loft, whether that's from swapping the head, moving to like a, a 10, 10 and a half degree, or just doing something with the, with the hosel, right? Adding a little more loft that way. Uh -huh. That's an easy way to get more spin. But if you don't want to see that, and I'm the, I'm not necessarily that way with a driver, but when we talk about higher lofted fairway woods, that's and hybrids too. That's where I start to see too much loft. That's, that's me. Not so much with a driver, but I get it. So I understand kind of that thing of, yeah, this, this, I don't want to see that much lofted address. So if you want to keep that, that appearance of loft, but you need more spin, easy way is to soften up that shaft a little bit, get a little more of that kicking up at impact, a little more dynamic loft as, as it's known. Mm -hmm. And so with that, the, the suggestion is a little more, a little higher launch, a little more spin. And wasn't it just... Like two weeks ago, oh, Stealth 2, Rory throws TaylorMade under the bus and da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, good Lord, people, just pump the brakes. Or people, Oh, does TaylorMade have a Stealth 2 problem, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, shut up, stop. <laughs> they don't. It's a great and, – and, and now, like, I, I, I hope all those people come back and, you know, you saw Rory – hit, you know, 824,000 drives over 350 or whatever this last week. Now, granted – a lot of those were, you know, carry and then roll 70 yards. But he's sitting there cruising in the mid-180s for ball speed. Clearly was hitting driver with a tremendous amount of confidence. Clearly wanting to peak for that tournament down, the big tournament down in Georgia here in a couple weeks. And now we're all those people going, oh, my God, Stealth 2 must be the best driver ever. Scheffler's playing crazy with it. Now Rory's getting it dialed in. It just shows you how fickle. Right, people, and <laughs> you know, everything is day like, to day and week to week, man. Yeah, like, like it just cracks me up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And at oh, the end man. of the day, right, paradigm one again. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> and then <laughs> you can't just gloss over the fact that uh, the driver has, I think, won everything or damn near. Um, I'd like and to think was... it's probably the players more than the clubs, but if you're hey. if you're looking to take credit for a hot start, my god. Yeah, official water bottle, water bottle of the PGA Tour, right, Tony? We gotta, we gotta get to those at some. Oh yeah, you got one of those. What? Are, oh hey, hey, stay hot right there. Mm. Stay hydrated, people. Stay hydrated. All right, Dean Snell. For those of you that don't know Dean Snell, you can. We'll link the article as well. Dean is a longtime pioneer in the ball industry. His history goes back decades. Has worked with companies such as TaylorMade, Titleist. And now himself, or you know, the eponymous name Snell Golf, he's been involved in working with tour level designs from Pro V One through a lot of stuff with Titleist. Through was he through Penta? I believe so at TaylorMade, if I'm not I feel mistaken. Like lethal, even lethal. Oh yeah, lethal. So precursors to the TP Five. So certainly, yeah. you cannot completely decouple being from the TP Five just as. Yeah, he is on the patent as a co-inventor. One of many, many, many co-inventors right. of the Pro V1. Point being, like, he's been around, knows a he, thing or he two. He knows about some balls. golf ball stuff. He knows golf ball stuff and and tour uh, stuff and kind of that whole mindset and working with tour players. So and yeah. kind of the landscape stuff. And so we we had a chance, for Rick Young. What, uh, uh, fantastic one of the few canadians that that we like not we like pretty much all the canadians actually um did a little digging wrote an article and dean as he typically is very transparent very 
forthright and just kind of tells it, you know, tells us how he sees it. What jumped out to you, Tony, about him um, and some of his thoughts around, call it the ball landscape. I know we're talking rollback, but it's really kind of golf ball landscape stuff more than anything. Yeah, I think so much there. I mean, definitely worth a read and kind of <laughs> touched on, on many, many different aspects and other possible solutions, which we can touch on here. But I, mean, I just... I think his his idea of four equal contributing factors to the current state of distance, I thought that was interesting. Just kind of mentioning the performance of Balada back in the day, especially as it relates to spin and how much that aspect is, has changed. Because we always focus on, oh, the new ball is so much faster. The, the new ball meaning solid core as of The modern golf ball really. kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's really, a lot of it has to do with spin, which is where I think we get into this whole the architectural piece of it comes in where like, oh, this is the right way to play the game. And I miss when they worked the ball and knew the right angles and, you know, all of, uh, all of that stuff. This idea of, hey, this is what golf should look like, right? This is the right way to play golf. Mm-hmm. Um, damn the mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, just... Really what were the four kind of, factors, just really quickly? Like he talked about, because that jumped out to me too. He talked about four equal factors. Yeah, and I, I don't they, know if I don't know if I agree with Dean that it's equal, right? Um, but yeah, I think so. He mentions the ball specifically, though, not faster. It's not that the ball is faster; it's it's lower spinning. It launches higher, and we see that it's it's kind of wild in in our robot ball test. We have some balls that high speed off the driver. Are, are flirting with 2,000 RPM. Uh, I, I would imagine Tor is... Which is pro- really low spinning. <laughs> really low. And I think... Really I think low spinning. Tor guys are probably 24 to 26, somewhere in that. And I think that's actually crept up a little bit in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, as I mentioned, again, 4,000 in the Balada days. So Balada days, guys, their launch conditions were right in that plus or minus 4,000 range, right? Yeah, but much lower, right? Different. Yeah, I mean, it's coming off like... Yeah, different trajectories. So, yeah. Um, and that that kind of spills into a different part of the conversation of, you know, hey, as we get into a rolled back ball, would it mean that trajectories would fundamentally change? That's a whole other conversation. So he mentioned, mm-hmm. so the ball drivers specifically... Higher CT, higher COR, whatever you want to say, yep. uh, and and more forgiving. So kind of that expanded sweet spot that we touched on. Uh, and that's interesting too, because again, that limit has been set for a while, mm-hmm. but there's there's more wiggle room in that than there is with the golf ball. One we we talked about before, kind of that that gray area between COR and and kind of the new standard of CT and how you can keep CTs under the limit and push the the COR up beyond the old limit. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind with, with drivers is there are no regulations that govern aerodynamics. And so only that it's like plain in shape, right? right. Like, and as we've seen, <laughs> like this has become a major talking point. It is inarguable that we are seeing more aerodynamic shapes now. And as, as tour head speed creeps up because of uh, number four on this list, which we'll get to, Mm-hmm. you're getting more of that realized benefit from improved aerodynamics. So things that the USGA doesn't really govern as it respects to driver, as it relates to driver design are contributing to distance in, in one way or another. So, so we had the ball itself and not, and again, not that the ball is any faster. We said, you know, these things have been in place since 
what, 2004. Right, so it's not like... Year. So it's not like the ball's faster 19 years later. Okay. You have the driver design itself in terms of core CT, the 460 CC size limit allows engineers, you know, just, yeah, greater volume to mess with things like forgiveness, MOI, et cetera. His third point was agronomy. And this is one we like, we've, we've pounded this idea of just grow the grass and people like get pushed back. Or if we say grow the rough, and again, you have to you have to do this strategically. Narrow fa- fairways aren't necessarily the, the right answer because that actually still benefits longer guys almost disproportionately. If everybody's in the rough, right, then the, <laughs> right. Then the, the longer guy still wins. And I, I kind of feel like the longer guy should win, uh, at least why, why for that the discipline. Why should the fastest guy win the race? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But it's interesting because people say hear us say grow the grass or grow the rough. I think they assume it's like, all right, we're going to grow the grass to eight inches tall and – the rough is just going to be weeds and briar patches and, and things like this. And my, my whole argument is like, if you are one of these guys, especially the architecture guys who are big on the course should be played the way the architect intended. And so you want, Oh, I want, I want, I want to see guys hunting angles and I want to see them shape the ball. And Scott and, Fawcett is going to shoot. Something. Right. Like all, all of the stuff that makes Scott Fawcett my... just walk over to a closet and just repeatedly slam his head in the door. All of the stuff that kind of that architectural, you know, I'd say purist, whatever, kind of, again, the way it should be played, architect intended, whatever your phrase is. Well, then why don't we put the grass back to what the architect intended? Like, you can't say we're going to change. We want to do all these other things that the golf, the architect intended, but we're not going to we're not going to move the grass to what it was because that's overlooked. It's not like we're saying grow the it's not really grow the grass in terms of hey let's do something radically different than it's ever been done i'm saying just don't the, cut it put the grass back to where it was then if right. we say hey this is this is what we want golf to look like then the grass the height of the grass should match that throughout the course and there's no denying that grass is a lot shorter than what it used to be it is absolutely contributing to distance and yes grass doesn't solve a carry problem you know unless you're like also, we're going to grow the trees. Right. No, it doesn't. We're going to block your first drive. That's how we're going to solve this problem. We're going to make sure you hit a tree every time. Right. Um, but it does. It does reduce roll. So it's you know could be part of a solution rather than yeah we're just going to steal distance from everybody hard stop. Yeah, it could also the two other things I think that are interesting there. Yeah, it, you know, and I don't even know what these numbers are. But when Oakmont was created, what was the length of the fairway cut at that point in time? I don't know what it was, but probably longer than it is now. Safe to say, right? What was, what, what was? I mean, it's not related to distance necessarily, but what were the sand conditions in the bunkers? Right, we've changed a lot of things over the years, and now we're just going to go. Yeah, we've changed all this, and now we're just going to pick the golf ball. And roll but I do know, I do know, if you increase the height of the fairway cut by you know whatever it is, let's say half an inch or three quarters or whatever that number is. At some point in time, you start introducing the need for a player to read a lie in the fairway. Like, hey, is this going to jump? Like, when it's just sitting on top of a felt pool table, you don't need to read any kind of lie. Like, it's going to do exactly what you think it's going to do if you hit it correctly. But now, what if it's sitting up a little? Or what if it's just sitting down? Like, it introduces maybe that element. And then you hit it on a green where it's rolling... 11 and a half, 12, 13, 
when when it that course was created, it was rolling. Yeah, yeah. The, six. The architect did seven, not intend those greens eight. to stink at thirteen. <laughs> they did not. So, in most cases, and right. and the other thing you mentioned, the longer fairways. Now, if you're if you're trying to reduce distance, you know, we talked about reducing roll, but now I'm in a fairway where I'm not going to be able to pinch the ball as much. So maybe I need a golf ball that spins more on my approach shot. Well, you can get some separa- separation. That typically means you're going to have to play a driver that spins a little more as well, a ball that spins more off your driver, and that's going to reduce distance a little bit. So there are there are yeah, ways to tackle it. But, but again, if, if your argument is, you know, there's a right way to play golf and that involves shaping shots and playing as the architect intended, well, then I, I don't know how you make that, that you take that position and go, but I'm going to exclude the grass from – any conversations around what the architect may or may not have intended. Right. Because that, well, and I mean, point in fact, grass is kind of a big part of a golf course, generally speaking. Most golf courses I've been to. Not <laughs> played, the fescue. I've played some that have very <laughs> I was going to say, the not the fescue. If you really mm-hmm. want to talk about growing the rough, give them McGregor fescue and, yeah. you know, to get weird. What was the fourth one? Let's the fourth, fourth one was, the, to me, I think, yeah, like I said, I don't agree with Dean's split if it's 25, 25, 25, 25. I, I would say, you know, 50 plus at this point of, of the equation is the player. So Dean mentions biomechanics, strength and fitness. We know this. I mean, you want to, I mean, you want to blame somebody for distance. I said, you, you saw the graphic I put up last week. I, it's a t-shirt that needs to be another clearly explain the balls contri- <laughs> when the ball contributed to a distance increase. If you want to go and that was, you know, essentially a, a two to three year period where right. the solid core came out and then there was the adoption period and then boom, like fully realized because every, everybody on tour realized if they weren't playing a solid core ball, they weren't going to win. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to, I mean, Christ, if you want to circle something on a, on a chart and place blame, I think Sasha McKenzie can can take a little heat uh, for swing speed increases. This I mean, is on just, you, Sasha. He's just one you. of them. But I mean, like, yeah, the stack system. Like, I looked at Fitzpatrick is double digit yards longer mm-hmm. than he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's clear, and he, you know, he credits it to the stack. Yeah, disproportionately. So yeah, he works out, does other stuff, whatever, but. Yeah, obviously, right. There's there's contributing factors, but it's like, right again. We've used it. We've gotten faster from doing that without working out. A hundred, hundred percent can say I've done that and not worked out. And so whether it's that <laughs> super speed ripstick, whatever it is, I mean, there's these are tools now that are available to everybody. There's better understanding of the golf swing, the biomechanics piece. I don't know. Maybe you throw launch monitors in here, and the fact that sure. when you go back, like. There was a point in time where TrackMan was not a thing. Right. Right. Nobody had launch monitors. The range was not full of TrackMan's foresights. And sometimes foresights in front of TrackMan's with flight scopes nearby. Like that's that's right. all relatively new. And this idea of optimizing the equipment and understanding how to tune individual players to get the absolute most, that is relatively new to the game. It feels like it's it's been around forever, but it, it really is within the last decade. Well, definitely new to the masses. You know, there's right. player adoption. Things are expensive. They roll down and roll down. And now pretty much any demo day or fitting experience that you would go to, whether it's at a third-party location or maybe at your home club or someplace or whatever, it's pretty rare now that you're not going to see GC Quad 
TrackMan, some type of device because people want their numbers, just like you do in, in, in other elements, right? Where, I mean, at some point in time, people, you know, didn't assess a house and go, ah, I think that's 400000 What do you want to pay for it? Well, now you have all this data where people come in and assess your house, like, down to the dollar. Okay. So can you turn back the clock on the player? Tony, you had a great BMI idea, I think. I, I, I'm very interested in this one. Yeah, maybe maybe there needs to be, as there is, like, a minimum diameter requirement for a golf ball, maybe there needs to be a minimum BMI. And if you are too lean, if you are too fit, you know, pound donuts on that tee box and, until you, you qualify. Yep, you got the flat belly tour. Back of the bus, Gary Woodland. Back of the bus, Scott Stallings. Back of the bus, Billy Horschel. You guys don't quite, uh, you know, where's my where's Rory, my Tim Herons yeah, at? Get Rory, Rory get out. Give me my Tim Herons. Give me my, uh, you know, Shane Lowry's. Give John me, Daly. Give Stone me my people that, yeah. We're joking. Yeah, so. But still. <laughs> but still. But yeah, so to me... You know, call it whatever you want. The ball is not the problem. The ball is clearly not the problem. The USGA knows the ball is not the root of everything. It's the one thing that they can easily control. It is a, mm-hmm. the one piece of equipment they can touch that that can presumably future proof to a degree. But ultimately, if I'm if I'm summing up, I, and I'm not one who believes there's a distance problem. I'm like, look, if if the courses can't adapt. Build a new arena, right? That's something Dean said. The, the players are the product. The courses are, are, are the arenas. And if we right. need new arenas, I'm fine with that. I think it's overstated. Uh, Lou Stagner posted a series of questions for USGA president. Uh, Very pointed questions, Mike by Juan. the way. I, I don't know if yeah. Mike's gotten back to him yet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a whole lot of assumptions that you know land mass has to increase exponentially because swing right. speed is going to increase exponentially and I don't believe either one of those things to be true. But yep. ultimately, if you're going to point to a, a single thing and go, this is the problem, this is why the ball is going too far, or however you want to phrase it, it's knowledge. It is this is fundamentally a knowledge problem. We got we got better, we got smarter about the athletics of, of the golf swing, right? The biomechanics. We got mm-hmm. smarter about optimizing equipment with launch monitors and research done by OEMs and just every step of the way, time after time, it's like, hey, we got smarter here. We learned optimizing yeah. aerodynamics, the ball flight, right? We're not, we're not hunting angles, angle schmangles. It turns out like you've got, <laughs> yeah, you got your little window, whatever right. you want to call it. And you just need to, you know, your play the probabilities. And... and that is that. And so, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. these are stuff that, you know, maybe, go beyond what the architect intended, but the architect didn't understand the math of the game and how it would eventually be played once people got wise to (laughs) to how everything actually works. So I don't know. Um, This one will generate some comments, no mm -hmm. doubt, but it'll be good because it's, uh, it is that notice and comment period. And, and it's, this is the time we should be having these dialogues and discussions and asking things and exploring. It's going to be a hot topic from, you know, really now through probably the end of the comment period for sure in, in yeah, August, just, and then it's not going to be a it's not going to be a five minute thing, and then everybody forgets mm-hmm. about it. This is you know. no, because new stuff will pop up or questions or things like that. We're going to finish up with some questions, Tony. What time? Mailbag, mailbag. I have three ready. We'll see how long the first one takes. Question number one: Are You a big TLC fan, Tony? I wouldn't say big. 
Do you remember one of their best songs? One of you, probably your favorite song by TLC, I believe. The name was Creep. Okay. Creep. Yeah, I think it was. Not the Stone Temple Pilots version. I know someone out there's thinking that, but you had an interesting post that I saw and it made me think. People talking about, oh, my driver's eight years old, ten years old, da 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 da. But I try some of this new stuff and you know, my ball speeds are exactly the same, or my old driver really keeps up with this new driver, and, and it may be people just trying to justify not buying a new driver, whatever it is, but you offered a plausible explanation as to why that person might actually be right. It's so funny because we, we get this all the time. Like, I've got my driver 10 years old, 12 years old, some case 15 years old, and nothing nothing I've tried is as fast as my driver, and it's weird. Like, I, it seems like more often than not, it's like Cleveland. It's like either a Cleveland launcher or a Highbor. It's... It's something, but it's, yeah, like if you've had a, a driver for, for 12 years and you've used that, if you play a lot of golf and you've used that season after season after season, mm-hmm. chances are that driver is going to be a lot faster or by some measure faster than it was when you bought it. So it is at least plausible that some of these these drivers that, that people love have crept beyond the limit and have continued to get faster. Uh, because so. the face does break down over time. We talked about this in the previous episode, I think, and just for people, you know, the, the the face does lose some resiliency, and so it actually gets hotter over time. The spring-like now, effect increases. Yeah. So this idea of breaking a driver in, if you will, is actually kind of a real thing. It's, it's not 100% static. So could that be a reason? Yeah, we've seen two... Uh, you know, Titleist with ATI, Mizuno with their Beta Titanium, uh, PXG, we just talked about it in that post. You're seeing companies use more resilient materials wow. now. And so part of that is we're going to reduce CT creep generally. We're not going to uh-huh. get as fast over time. Uh, part of that is, yeah, the material is uh, easier to manufacture to precise tolerances. And so... When we look at the distribution of parts, we don't have a lot of slow ones and a lot of fast ones. Everyone is pretty close to where it's supposed to be. Uh, And the other piece of it is, and and this is where things could go a little south with these ones that have been uh, gotten fast over the years, is the materials back then, they were more prone to deformation. So, you know, for a while, I won't mention names, but there was a brand that's notorious for getting flat spots. Mm you know, in the bulge and roll from repeated use, it just kind of flattens that curvature out of the oh, face. So, yeah. you know, that is that is no good. So you're trading speed for some other potential uh, downsides there. But, yeah, we get faster. So it could be. Just an interesting one. Last question. Tony, you get to add a 15th club to your bag this year. What club are you adding to your assortment. Now it can be one that you carry with you all the time, or just like, hey, you know what? I want to create a, uh, you know, a larger quiver, more arrows in my quiver, and so I want to have another club to pull out. Maybe it's for a specific tournament. Maybe it's for a specific situation or shot or weather condition. But if you could add one additional club to the bag, Tony, what, what's it going to be? Well, I have to think it through because you know something like a sixty-four degree wedge can be fun. Uh, on rare occasions, it's actually, it's actually useful. On many occasions, it's just a really, really bad idea. 
<laughs> so maybe that um, for weather conditions in that respect, I think maybe something like a like a utility iron is an alternative to the seven wood on windy days. Uh, but like that one yeah, and keep one of those in the trunk. Likewise, you know, as much as I love my tea grind, if the ground's wet, it, it goes in the trunk and something with more bounce comes out. There okay. is a, there is a limit to that, but I think maybe cause I'm being nostalgic and we saw, so TaylorMade has a new mini driver coming. I, that's kind of where I, the yeah. burner, not a, no, not a lot of vowels involved. No vowels. And so I was like, oh, I still have, I haven't used it in a while, but I have TaylorMade's, SLDR mini driver and I mean that thing was such a beast and you can hit it you know you lose a little off the tee but you gain stuff off the fairway I mean for your reference that nobody else will get but um perfect number six at McGregor yep I made it to the green with a SLDR mini driver from the rough on the bottom left side of the hill so just absolutely That's crazy massive and again yeah. it was one swing you know home run average, derby. my new average <laughs> new average with my your three what is 284 yeah, yeah and now average 284 <laughs> off the deck with a mini driver because it happened one time yeah um when everything came together yeah so i think i think the mini driver would be the answer that was going to be my answer. For no other reason, too. You know, like I already have a driver, a three-wood, a five-wood, a seven-wood in the bag, plus a yeah. putter. So I really need a way to get a, another head cover or two in the bag <laughs> without going to the irons. Without I, going I just, to the six-bred, seven-bred, eight-bred. Well, yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't put iron <laughs> covers on, but I will, yeah, I will. You will gladly go that route. Embrace all the head covers on Metalwoods, for sure. There you go, mini it. driver. Mini driver. That was my answer too. I so, but I, it's a fun like again as a rotational thing, especially if you can figure out how to hit it off the deck a little, a little bit. Um, that thing can be an absolute monster. Uh, in in some ways, a little bit of a cheat code. The same way that the seven woods a cheat code for certain things. I think the mini driver is a cheat code for uh, for certain situations. You might find that you end up liking it and even using it more than uh, maybe you thought, especially if you carry like a higher lofted 17, 18 degree kind of th- three slash four five wood. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely not as easy to hit off a fairwood, fair, or a fairway as some of these like low profile, almost flat fairway woods that of course seem to align yeah. beautifully with the ball, but you can do it. I have done it. It is, uh, it's playable. So it's, it's an option. It's, it's an option. It's like, uh, it's like having a really strong three wood in the bag. I think mine, I have the 12 degree model. And so, <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, that's where it. I'd go. Let's get it. I and can't wait. I'd love to hear what other people would say. What are you going to put in your bag? If you could the 15th, add 15th club. What is your it? 15th club? As always, ball questions, things, you know, just post them. Let us know what you think, people. And, 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 you know, as per usual, find us, follow us out on the interwebs, the social media places, golf, Spy T, Golf Spy C. We're going to be, we'll be be back in a week, maybe. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I think we're here. We're here next week and then off the following week. Off the following week. So one more episode, then a little hiatus, and then we'll uh, rock and roll. And that episode, that episode, we're probably, here's your teaser. Um, And I'm just going to spell it. I I can't give you the details right now, but no, no, no. Two new 
snow golf balls coming. See you next Monday. That's oh, dropping next Monday. There you go. We out.